What's up, fight fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the station where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I am joined by the second half of this amazing double act, the phenomenal Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hey, fight fans. Happy Friday. I'm hanging out here outside of a Starbucks, and I guess everyone surrounding is just going to have to be updated on the current news of MMA. Yeah, well, you are on location in sunny San Diego, but yeah, I just um, really, before we even get started, Kayla, I have to say, I was looking at our numbers. You guys made last week's show ahead of UFC 225. Our most listened to program since we started on podcasts. So, awesome. everyone, yeah. So, everyone who listens to us on iTunes, thank you so much. We really try to make it as fun of a show. We know there's a lot of options out there for MMA and sports in general. So, the fact that you guys are tuning in, we really appreciate it. So, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. So, Kayla, I mean, we held off on this week's show. We were planning to do it earlier in the week, but we are obviously all waiting for news on The Notorious. And of course, we kind of got, you know, a bit of a dud in terms of the news there. So that is why this week's program comes to you later. But we still have so much to talk about with the news. And of course, this is our first time speaking on the amazing UFC 225 from last Saturday. I know you and I just had so many thoughts. It was quite the night of mixed martial arts. So I figured we would start off with that. So Kayla, let's talk about it. At the end of the day, Yoel Romero did make it to fight night. It was a non-title bout, but it felt it felt like a championship match. And Kayla, it delivered five rounds so close. Um, just what did you think about this fight? Yeah, I agree. I definitely think that it felt like a title round just because obviously we have the two top middleweights in the world fighting. They proved it in the first fight, and I think the way that they came back and rematched and were able to evolve their game even more and make it even more of a competitive fight and show that amount of heart, I mean, I, there's a reason why everyone's calling it fight of the year, and I definitely think it's a top contender. Um. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I would like took away from it was the fact that Robert Whitaker fought where he couldn't even feel from his hand up to his shoulder for that many rounds. That was insane. I thought it was so cool to see a different game plan uh, by Yoel Romero go into that. That's what we were kind of predicting or curious about. I don't even, I think we only saw him go for, I don't even know if he went for any takedowns. I think he was just, you know, got a, several or a couple of knockdowns, but super competitive, intense fight down to the last minute. Um, Steve, what can you say about this fight? Um, really got to reiterate what you said. I mean, Robert Whitaker, when you see the x-ray of the broken thumb and just you think about how many rounds he went with a dangerous guy who was really doing damage in some rounds in Romero, just so impressive. Um, it was close, but I had no problem with the decision when it was over. I did feel like Rob survived enough, did enough to get the job done. Um, the thing that surprised me, Kayla, and I really want to address this. Um, the takedowns. I really, 
I don't know. Maybe Romero just he didn't feel like he had the energy. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe the weight cut. He felt like he was gonna gas himself out too much doing a lot of wrestling. I think that it cost him. And let me tell you why. Because in the first round, I don't know if you noticed this, but he spent most of it. He didn't throw a punch. Mm-hmm. He really just kept his guard up high. And it was it's that way. Until- yes. And I get that because he's a guy who does slow down as the fight goes on. But I'm going to be honest. So we know the third round, if I'm not mistaken, that's where he dropped Whitaker, did a lot of damage. The fifth round, he gets him again. But one thing I noticed, he needed to get the draw, right? That's the one that a lot of people, when the rounds are playing out, that's what he needed. In the fifth round, he has that awkward moment where he's just, he takes the back, but he's not doing anything. He's really just holding Robert, and you assume it's because he's tired. I have to be honest, Kayla, I was disappointed because it's like, you literally did nothing in the first round, so you could have gas in the tank for this exact kind of moment. You have Robert Hurt. You have him right where you want him. He's halfway on the ground. You're an Olympic-level wrestler. I was just shocked because really, Yoel didn't do anything. Gives Robert the time to recover. And, of course, I think that's what led to a 10-9. That's what allowed Whitaker to come through on the judge's decision. I was just shocked because I really felt like there were moments Yoel had to really seal the decision. And he just let him slip away. What about you? How did you feel about it? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's probably the biggest question I have is Yoel watching that fight back, now knowing that Robert's arm was injured. I mean, I get it. The first fight, I'm he was impressed, I'm sure, like all of us, of, of Robert Whitaker's takedown defense and stuffing all of his wrestling. I don't think that Robert Whitaker would have had the same success this time around just because of that arm injury. And I agree. I think going into those championship rounds and especially the last one, I would have liked to see him at least attempt and, and, and use, you know, the other skills that he has. I understand they wanted to go in with a different game plan, but I think this was one of those fights where, you know, maybe the game plan should have been switched around a little bit, just going through rounds um, because I think that would have probably sealed the deal for him. But either way, it still wasn't a title fight. So I feel like, the big question is, do people feel like we need to see a third fight, try to, you know, get a rematch for the actual title, or is it time for Yoel to move up and take on some of the other people calling him out? I mean, to me, um, really, oh, and I, before we move on, in the early rounds, Whitaker's game plan involved a lot of leg kicks. I'm sorry, but one or two takedowns really makes him think twice about taking that strategy. I, I just want to point that out, you know hindsight being 2020 um in terms of the trilogy i i gotta say all controversy aside i do feel like we had a very dangerous very competitive yol romero in there for five rounds against a young champion and robert whitaker i'm gonna say it it wasn't a title fight but i feel like they fought i don't think that it would have made a difference had the actual belt been on the line. I feel like Yoel Romero did give it the best effort we probably could have seen out of him, whether or not the belt was on the line, regardless of what happened Friday. So I'll be very blunt about it. Yes, he's a dangerous guy. He's the top contender at 185, but this is now 0-2 against Whitaker. I don't think we need the trilogy. I'm personally ready to see Kelvin Gastelum. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think that I like the idea of Yawal going up. I think there's some interesting fights there for him. And I'm sorry, but I really want to see Robert Whitaker be the active champion that he wants to be. And every time he fights Yoel, he gets some sort of injury where he's out for a while. So I don't want to see that trilogy fight, at least not right now, because I want to see Robert Whitaker get back in there and be a little bit more active. I think punching Yoel Romero is just dangerous. You're going to break something. <laughs> I know, right? You might break your thumb and have to fight 20 minutes against this, you know, I think he, hey, I'm going to take this pun. I think he felt like he was in a Cuban Missile Crisis in that third round. <laughs> but, yeah, um, uh, here's the thing. I mean, do, I've heard some talk about, you know, Chris Weidman is trying to uh, campaign for a title shot. I know that he just beat Gastelum, but Weidman, to me, his activity just, it, I, I'll say very bluntly, it's starting to feel a bit like Cain Velasquez. Yes, you know how good he could be, but he's kind of not been on his best run. And he's been injured, too, now. He hasn't been active, I think, since he lost, or sorry, since last year against Kelvin. Um, I just don't have that faith in him, if he were in a title shot, to actually still be around as often as you need or want a champion to be. I think that on the strength of Kelvin's win over Jacare, that kind of gets him in that title shot. What about you? Yeah, you know how I felt about Kelvin Gaslam, just because of, you know, the um, the weight what's cut. The word I'm trying to, yeah, the weight cut and, and the issues of, of him making it and, and missing it. But I think that he's proven himself in his last performance or two that he's ready uh, for a title shot. I think he's faced some of the top guys, like you said, a Jacques Array. I, I I still don't know if I think that he's ready for Robert Whitaker. We'll obviously analyze that fight if it's made. But one thing that I did hear in the post-fight press conference is Dana White, as soon as he was asked about Kelvin Gaslam, said, you know, one, I think he looked a little frustrated in that whole press conference anyway, but especially when Kelvin and Mike Jackson's names came up, he turned a little extra red. There was a little extra, you know, uh, frow in his brow or whatever it's called. Another saying there for you to Google G. But yeah, um, <laughs> one thing that he had mentioned is that he's very frustrated with him right now and that he has some personal shit that he needs to work out. So I don't know what that is, but if the boss is already not happy because of something that's going on in, in your personal life, because I think what he had said is he wanted Kelvin to be the backup. That was the plan is if Yoel or someone, you know, something happened, he wanted Kelvin to be ready. And again, G, this is why I get so frustrated. If you were Kelvin Gaslam and you know you're going to go to Chicago and be sitting there and have the chance to fight for a title, why are you not ready? He, he would have, had he been able to make weight or whatever the issue was, he would have been able to fight. I'm glad that he didn't because I really enjoyed the fight that we got between Yoel and Robert. But that's what I'm saying is it's hard for me to fully get behind Kelvin Gaslam if I guess the discipline isn't there. Yeah, I mean, that that's really, and we say it all the time, and let me just, I always preface it, he's a very dangerous young guy. It's not about the skills. I think, like you said, it's the discipline. We know why he's not at 170, even though he's done very well, even though he went to a split decision with Tyron Woodley, arguably the last close fight Woodley has had besides Wonder Boy since he's been champion. It's because 
he doesn't stay on top of his diet and regiment between fights. He gets too big and he encounters a lot of issues making 170. That's the only Here's... reason why he's at 185. Go ahead. And just to throw in there, like, you know, when you're starting your MMA career, maybe that's an excuse you can have. But if you are in the top three or in talks of a title shot coming your way soon, why aren't you in shape? Why aren't you ready? Yeah, and I think that's another thing. Um, look, only he knows for sure. Maybe he felt like he just didn't have the resources. Maybe he felt like just, uh, uh, look, this is another real thing. Maybe he didn't feel like doing the hard work um, just to be, you know, just for it to possibly all, you know, be for nothing if Yoel and Robert throw down. I get that, but like you said, you know, you have to, it's also a business and part of the business is you have to be ready. And I think that's something that I think frustrates people is you get the idea that Kelvin doesn't do the extra work and that's why he misses out on some of these opportunities. And there's plenty Um, of people like Chris Weidman that want that opportunity for the title shot. You know, I, I, it just frustrates me when someone is so close and then, I mean, again, we don't know all of the reasons why, so I shouldn't jump to conclusions, but I don't want to get behind someone fighting for a title and possibly being a champion if it doesn't seem like they're taking stuff seriously. No, I agree. Um, Before we move on, I do want to say this. Either way, the middleweight division, I mean, compared to nine months ago, it suddenly feels very shallow, Kayla. Um, So if you think about it, last summer, we had Robert versus Yoel. You had Michael Bisping, George St. Pierre. Luke Rockhold was going to be coming up. Um, you had a lot of contenders, and really four out of these five, six people that we had are suddenly gone. And suddenly, um, if you think about it, yes, you do have Chris Weidman out there. Uh, all of this criticism aside, I do think Kelvin Gastelum is still up there. But if you're Robert Whitaker, you've already beaten everybody else that I think is even close. And so you're looking at, uh, I mean, I always feel like I'm jinxing it, but you're close to what could be in one year a sweep of the middleweight division. That is crazy considering he's only going to be about 26, 27 years old. Yeah, it's really crazy. I think that there are a couple of fights for him, but really when I think about it, none of them to me seem competitive and only in the sense because he just really seems like he is that next legend in that division I think that he has so much talent and clearly heart and just so much potential for it like you said the young age that he's at um it might be a matter of you know kind of like a Demetrius Johnson for a little while where it's just somebody that is you know wrecking guys and and can't be stopped but We'll see. There's always some young, hungry guys that can be thrown in there. And I think, like you said, because some of the, um, you know, contenders in the top 10 are considering moving up, who knows? Maybe they'll sign more people to that division. Maybe some 170ers will move up. I'm sure they'll be able to eventually create fights. I think they just, people need to see that Robert Whitaker is back and healthy for them to start matching. I agree. Um, Look, it's just the way of things. Someone new always eventually comes up um you never know things could change uh Gegard Mousasi in that time might come back to UFC if he fights out his Bellator contract you never know things could always make it very interesting in the division 
Moving on to welterweight, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Colby Covington. Kayla, very bluntly, when I thought about what Colby could do, I, it wasn't that I didn't think he could do it, but I was just so impressed how little damage he took uh-huh. in a 25-minute fight with a guy like RDA. I felt like even if it's going to go his way, it's going to be a lot closer than it was. I was super impressed the way he neutralized the former lightweight champion. What did you think of this fight? I agree. I think, and that's such a great way to put it, too, because, of course, everyone else wants to talk about how impressed they were that we saw that he is this well-rounded fighter that he's been talking, you know, a lot about. Um, And so he has those other skills. He has put in that work as far as conditioning. But I agree to actually neutralize and stop someone as talented and well-rounded and experienced as RDA it was a it was a very impressive performance. So whether or not you like him or not, I definitely think that he deserves to fight for that title. I I just was very impressed by his performance, and I'm this is a fight that gets me really excited uh, as far as next you know title defense for the champ. Yeah, I mean, um, really after the first round, um, I mean in the fourth RDA had his moments, but just the forward pressure, um. Look, he diversified his attack. He was well-conditioned, clearly. He fought a great pace for 25 minutes. Knew when to take down, go for those takedowns and use his wrestling. Maybe Yoel Romero could have, you know, watched that performance and see. Exactly. Well, you can still be a wrestler and throw in, you know, that wrestling within your well-rounded performance there. I will point... uh, I agree with you, but I'm going to say this. I think if Joel Romero tried to fight like that, he'd be done by midway through round three. I just don't. I think he's got. Let, let's just say. Do you know, hey, Kayla, have you heard that Joel Romero is 40 years old? I have. That is I not. <laughs> my father, bless his heart, who um, that watches MMA moderately, and only because it's my job, he looks at him and says, no, really, how old is he? And I'm like, he, he doesn't believe it. And it's just, you, you shouldn't be able to have that much muscle. And I think that's why he can't fight <laughs> like that. Although I like the idea that you're coming up with. Um, let's talk about Tyron Woodley, though. Um, Kayla, Colby Covington drew first blood. He's been calling him out. And he didn't disappoint post-fight press conference and interview. But Tyron Woodley... Imagine the fire saying he wants Colby's head on a platter, essentially. I mean, put it this way. If you told me they were going to fight earlier this year in January, I think they're a co-main event somewhere, plain and simple. Uh Now, this could headline a big card, I think, when you really put these two together and the fireworks they could produce. What do you think of that idea, though? Yeah, I think that that's another thing that we have to give a little kudos to to Colby Covington. He really knows how to sell himself and really build his brand of to bring in viewers, whether it's that they want to see someone beat him up or now they're fans of him. I think that we have to um, credit him for that. And that was one thing that I had seen at, I think it was UFC Tonight or the post-fight show, is they had said, you know, usually Tyron, no one's rooting for him, but now everyone's on his side and wants him to win. So uh, that's how much Colby is, I guess, not hated, but, you know, gets backlash from fans. But um, I think here are two guys that have clearly figured out how to sell a fight, 
have clearly figured out how to acquire the skills to, you know, be championship level in the octagon. I wonder, I think right now, Tyron is smart and knows the business and knows like, this is my time to jump on Twitter and, and really build this fight together. Um, I don't think that he's gotten under his skin. The Colby has gotten under his skin yet, but I am very intrigued. And this is one of the reasons why I like this fight is over time, whether or not we get this fight. And I think August is what Tyron's trying to make it for or later in the year. I think Colby wants it in November at MSG. I think that Tyron Woodley does seem like he takes things more to heart and, and takes things more personally that I wonder if Colby, you know, will be able to get under his skin. It seems like he might've gone under, under RDA skin, maybe not so much with the smack talking, but at least in the octagon. And I, I, I'm very intrigued to see if Colby can, I guess, outwork the champion that way. And then of course people want to talk about, the conditioning and and the gas tank of the champ that's one thing that i saw a lot of people questioning too that i think can be worked on especially if they fight in november but the mind games i don't know colby's on another level what do you think you know when i look at it i think that tyron woodley doesn't like it because i think he feels like he's now finally been baited into this fight i think um, i spoke with uh, tyron about it and i asked him you know about the colby thing he wasn't interested he was he said it's like no i'm i haven't been talked to about tough i haven't been uh, talked to about i'm not interested in no ultimate fighter with colby and all that stuff the rumors flying around i think that he feels like colby yes colby has put on a great run in the welterweight division I think he doesn't like how Colby has essentially worked his way up. And I think Tyron just feels he is not on his level. And I think that that's part of it. I think that's why Tyron feels so passionate about now kind of putting his hat in the ring and saying, you know what, I'm not afraid to talk back to Colby Covington. And I'm good with that. I think that that's just the business. We know Tyron wanted a big fight for his next match. Exactly. He, he's got one. So I think you kind of have to take it for what it is. I would have liked Tyron versus GSP. I think that would have been a lot of fun. That wasn't in the cards. I think this is at, at this point now, Kobe is the next big fight for him. And I think that's just what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, he wanted that super fight. I'm also disappointed that the GSP and Tyron didn't work out because I think that that just would have been a great fight to make skill-wise. But then, of course, too, of kind of the, the young, new champion with the wrestling background and then, you know, fighting one of his idols. Whatever. We didn't get it. I know he was also – there was rumors of a Nate Diaz fight or Nick Diaz. A lot of people were comparing some of Colby's uh, performances to have a little bit of Nate Diaz-esque in there. So he's getting this super fight either way. And I think that, um, yeah, like you said, it's for sure going to be a main event. And I see it selling out and doing really well. But the thought of Colby as a champion, G, is a little bit of a scary thought to me. I mean, why? He's he's making America great again. He's oh, gonna man. take the belt to the president. Um, you know what? Uh, I was I was reading a lot about it. Um, look, this is kind of the uh, he's kind of evidence why it's like, hey, you are in division with Darren Till, 
Kamaru Usman, um, Santiago Ponzinibbio, all these guys doing well. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Robbie Lawler. You talk your way to the front of the line. It could have been Darren Till versus RDA, let's be honest. But he found a way to get himself in there, and I think that's really the double-edged sword. Everyone wants to be a draw and figure out how to do it. I mean, I'll say it like this. I feel like he kind of sold his soul a little bit to get there. Like, you know what? I'm going to say some controversial stuff, but if I just win for another one or two, I'm already right there. I, I kind of got myself on the fast track, the, you know, taking this route. And I think that's just what it is. You have to understand that it's business. Now, do I think that this, this is going to last? No. I don't see him having a very illustrious career if he continues with the talking. I think it works when you are um, approach it differently. For example, he is not the same as a Connor, Chael, or other trash talkers. It's, a, it's just a business, and I'm interested to see, let's say he does get there, does he change his tune now that there's no one else that he really has to antagonize to get what he wants? I think that's going to be the real test. We shall see. <laughs> Kayla, I, this next one, of course, you know, the ladies, 145, Holly Holm versus Megan Anderson. Another one similar, Holly Holm, you knew she was more experienced. I really was shocked that we didn't see a little more out of Megan Anderson. I think that's just credit to how great Holly is. I think a lot of people slept on her because of her lack of success, mostly in recent years. This was a great fight for Holly Holm. What did you think about it? Yeah, I I mean, I think that this was probably my favorite fight of the night or favorite performance of the night just because it was so nice to finally see Holly get out of her head a little bit, something that she says that she's done for a while and and showcase these other skills that she has and and have a dominant performance. Not, you know, obviously she has in the past has had those highlight you know, knockouts and, and big wins, but it was just so nice to see her use her other skills and and be the more aggressive fighter in there. I also, you know, I think both of us were just such fans of Megan Anderson. I do think that there's for sure potential in there, but I just think she was fighting someone who was in such a good headspace um, coming off of a win after going you know, through those losses. I just think that she was fighting probably the best Holly home that we're, we're seeing. I think that um, Holly's just gotten this new confidence and skill level and, and heart and strength um, after fighting someone like, like Cyborg. And this is why, G, I'm so happy that Megan Anderson didn't get an immediate title shot with Chris Cyborg. I am a full believer in her skills. I think that she is going to now go into her next fight really trying to focus on using her size and length and, and power that I think she has. But I had a feeling that, you know, she was one of those girls that needs a couple of fights before she goes after a title in the UFC. So it makes me really excited that they're one just creating – um, a show to bring more ladies into that division. And I do think that we'll still see, you know, a passing of the torch to someone like Megan Anderson. But yeah, kudos to Holly. I loved her post-fight speech. Uh, I think it even made me cry a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see. And then I love too, 
I think, you know, this was one thing that even Dana White said too, but I was thinking it before he said, it's so nice when you have a fighter that she wants it all. She wants to go to 135. She wants to fight at 145. She wants to be active. She's telling people, stop asking if I'm done. I want to be an active fighter. I plan to fight for a long time. So isn't that what we want to hear? We want to hear someone that's going to be, you know, uh, fearless, I guess, in going after a bunch of different ladies in the division and having a few fights to make in these two divisions. No, definitely. I mean, for myself, one of the things that I thought was like, why did I pick Megan Anderson, right? <laughs> when you see in the first round, Megan, when she gets a little space and she just really is able to get that whip on her shots, on her kicks, on her strikes, you can see it connects pretty hard on Holly Holm. It's one of the reasons I think Holly chose to look to go to the ground. She really didn't want to spend more time, you know, possibly trading with just such a powerful athlete and really just full credit. I think a lot of, I think she brought it up on the MMA hour this week. Just people maybe weren't thinking about her wrestling, but she's clearly worked on it. She hasn't just been striking for the sake of striking sake. Sometimes it's just, the game plan you go to but with each opponent. So I was impressed. I think it was just a very well-executed game plan by an athlete who was very dialed in, like you said. And Kayla, let's talk about this, though. She says she wants it all. She said that 135 is where my heart is. Kayla, what does that mean for Chris Cyborg? And I guess now quite bluntly, if you, like, you have to pick one. Do you want to see Holly against Amanda Nunes later this year? Or does Chris Cyborg need another opponent? Because let's be honest, there's still no other featherweights in the division. I say I like the fight with Amanda Nunes. I think that Holly is going to go into that division just giving Amanda a real run for her money. I think being staying at 145 and fighting a few times is just going to make her an even stronger competitor for Amanda Nunes, who we know is a dominant champion. So when I'm thinking about which fight to me sounds more intriguing and exciting, even though I think a Chris Cyborg rematch sounds good too, I think that that fight with Amanda Nunes just to me, you know, says fireworks. And I, do you know how many times Chris Cyborg's fought this year? Has she only fought once? Yep. Just once in March. And then does she fight in December too? Yep. So, I mean, give her a little bit of a break. Maybe she waits till some of these 145ers. Um, I don't know when the show is airing, but I'm sure it's airing probably in the next couple of months. Um, and maybe Megan Anderson can get a couple of fights, um, you know, or at least a, another fight before we see those two battle it out. I think to me, when I think about the 145 title shot, is that it still feels very fresh. It still felt very dominant for Chris. I think that you really saw the whole, there's levels to this. And you saw why Chris Cyborg is not Megan Anderson. She's a lot better. And when I see the stuff that worked for Holly against Megan, I think you just know very bluntly, it's not going to be the same way against Chris Cyborg. Chris has so many more weapons that she uses and implements effectively. The Amanda Nunes fight, I like now because I feel like it has a little more steam. I know if you're Ketlin Vieira, you're very frustrated with that, but you have to acknowledge 
Holly star power now coming off this big win. Now the fact that Bantamweight is really struggling for contenders. It is ridiculous how few people have been able to now how nobody really has broken through except for Ketlin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a fight to make. And I'm very interested, you know, how does Amanda handle someone who fights as long and fast as Holly and who may be willing to take her down a bit to stop that, you know, that forward pressure and that power of Amanda. I think that makes it very interesting. Like you said, it's not that um, a rematch with Chris isn't fun. I just think there's more hype now for Amanda. And maybe Holly also recognizes that too. And so with the dominant performance with Holly, are we, are we completely cutting out the champ versus champ fight, Amanda versus Chris? I, you know, that's another thing. And I'll be honest, I don't know, because here's the thing about Chris Cyborg. She says that she's done in roughly a year to a year and a half in the UFC. Essentially, like she's been on top more than a decade. There's always going to be someone young and new coming up, but she wants to try other things. Who knows? Maybe she feels like that's the fight to make because she doesn't have a new opponent in what she expected in Megan. So maybe, you know, I think that I I will say this. I think that Chris Cyborg is a bigger draw than Amanda. So if Chris Cyborg says, I want to fight, I want Amanda Nunes, then the rest of the girls are just going to have to take a backseat, plain and simple. Yeah. Gee, I have to say before we talk about the next fight, because I know you're super excited to talk about your favorite fighter. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Just hearing you say... That as soon as you watched this uh, fight between Megan Anderson and Holly Holm, that you were thinking, why the heck did I pick Megan Anderson? I could just see the look on your face of you watching fights, because I feel like I know you so well now that I can't wait to. (laughs) I know we're going to announce what we're doing tomorrow, but I can't wait to just watch more fights with you in person because your facial expressions crack me up. I live to make you smile, Kayla. I hope you know that. (laughs) Thanks. I, I I'm glad it lights up your day. It truly <laughs> touches my heart. You know what um, else lights up your day? A you know what? You, you know what? I'm not going to start. You talk about this. Go ahead. You never. <laughs> it's like you don't even want to say his name out loud. Okay, so the fight that we have to talk about is um, CM Punk, obviously, versus Mike Jackson. One, because I think it just had a lot of controversy, you know, the way the fight played out. And one of those reasons being that it was added to this main card. And I think that the way that it played out, almost everybody, I mean, uh, I think even WWE fans couldn't really, um, it didn't really have an argument here. But the way that it played out, I think everyone was looking at Sean Shelby, the matchmaker, Zena White, and saying, why the hell did this fight make it to the main card? I get it that it was a business decision, but it was just really hard to watch for me, Gene. I think the reason why is... One, I think that we saw that CM Punk really, really is interested in MMA. I think I saw the heart there. I saw him trying to attempt stuff and and trying to listen to his coaches and show what he's learned in the gym. But I don't, I, one, I just don't think that we needed to see it go all those rounds. And I think that that's why um, Dana White or, or people are just frustrated, frustrated with Mike Jackson. It's like, People already talk about how the fights take so long and are such long events. If you can finish a fight sooner, let's do it. 
Yeah, I mean, to me, Kayla, when I watched that, um, I'm going to preface this. Everyone knows how I felt about Punk versus Jackson. I get it, though. Okay, it's CM Punk. You signed him. Okay, Mickey Gall, that was the wrong guy to match him up with. Mike Jackson, this is supposed to be more even. This is supposed to be a more, quote-unquote, fair fight. But I keep saying this. I said this after the fight with Mickey Gall for CM Punk. If you're Punk, you're telling me you have to find him a UFC opponent who, if you really want this even, he not only has to have the same experience, you got to put him in the same age. Really? And there's just not UFC caliber guys there. And this is exactly why. I agree with you, Kayla. I thought CM Punk was going to quit. I am very impressed with that man. He got beat down, but he did not quit. I respect him. This is a guy who loves MMA, who went out there, gave it his best. And I think even if you're any one of his coaches and friends, he made you proud in the way he went out there like a warrior. I'm not going to disrespect him by saying anything less than that about him. Mike Jackson, though, let me ask you yes or no, because he's had a lot of stuff to say to defend himself. Do you think, honestly, if he wanted to, he could have finished CM Punk? I actually didn't hear any of his... um... I guess, defense after the fight. What is he even saying? He essentially said that, um, you know, like, I, I want to say he said he was being smart or he was trying not to make mistakes, and that's why he didn't finish him. But And he, he says he doesn't appreciate that it's like, I dominated him, and now you're going to give me grief that I didn't finish him. Okay, I guess I can maybe understand that if maybe, you know, again, he's only zero and one. Uh, well, I guess now one and one with his, um, you know, UFC career. But I think that a lot of people who have watched fights like us, a lot of people in the business, which all of the media, um, most of the UFC staff, out of all the fights they've watched, I think that we all have a good sense of who's actually being safe um, in there while competing and who's showboating. And it's just very strange to me that, again, a good, like, 90-something percent of people saw that as showboating. Uh, Who knows? Maybe he makes weird faces when he's competing. Maybe he throws those pillow punches, and that's how he's a safe fighter. But to me, it looked like he was definitely trying to get more TV time or draw this out. Um, I thought, I don't know if maybe it was a marketing thing of of maybe they – we're trying to draw this fight out just because he heard the roar of the Chicago WWE fans. But either way, um, that's to me, that's not how you're going to build your name. If anything, it's going to build your name in a negative way like it has. And I think it's also very dangerous for him more than maybe other fighters because one of the things that Dana was saying in the press conference is, Whoever this guy is, he won't be fighting in the UFC anymore. He needs to go back to his day job. Well, guess what, G? His day job is working in news media. Do you think he's really going to get credentialed for UFC fights? So now you just ruined two opportunities. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, for him, it's like, uh, like, do you like to do interviews? Do you just do photos and commentary? I don't know. Here's what I felt like. I, I agree with you. When I watched him, I was like, okay, I get it. You wanted, you were feeling yourself. You knew you had his number. And you kind of just want to shut him down and say, yeah, I did just beat down CM Punk. That was fine in the first round. 
by the time you're in the third, I really, I mean, uh, I, okay, you know, I didn't watch it live for a lot of reasons, but uh, if I was, I would have changed the channel. It was just like, dude, you just like you made your point now like i didn't enjoy this i really didn't even i stopped taking notes i really was just like dude this is you're you're really just you don't you don't even care about winning you just care about embarrassing him now that's not entertainment anymore that's not sports that's just whatever i wasn't a fan so i get why dana white was mad um look i get it they tried the cm punk thing they tried to fix it and try it again. It didn't work. And, you know, I think really now, look, I think we've kind of figured it out. I don't want to see CM Punk out there. And for people who are listening who are big fans, did you enjoy watching that on Saturday? Like, honestly, like, yeah, the heart is like, did you really? No. And I think you're doing the man a disservice if you were to continue to put him on TV to do this. There's a reason why you do these things in the amateurs. The general public really technically doesn't watch. To do this in front of the, these crowds, I think is just, I think that's a disservice. If you're Mike Jackson, um, dude, you are not going to be able to bully other people the way you did him. I don't want to see you back there either. That's my opinion. What about you, Kayla? Yeah, and I think, you know, unfortunately, when they talk about father time, I think this is the case for CM Punk. It was just like a little too late to start this this pro MMA career, UFC MMA career. I think that right now is the best way for him to retire, too. He was able to make up for that first debut. He went all three rounds. Um, you know, he fought his heart out to where a lot of people, um, you know, like you said, were, were showing him respect. So... You tried it. Hopefully you had fun. You can still, you know, um, have aspects of MMA in your life. But I think that, yeah, this is probably where he should he should quit. I don't really want to see him go to Bellator and, and try stuff out there either. And then, yeah, as far as Mike Jackson, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you should. I get I get he'll probably want to try and defend, you know, all the naysay that people are, are in shade that people are throwing his way. But I'd be worried that they're going to match him with someone pretty bad just to kind of prove a point. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you think that the majority of people were, um, I guess, disappointed that an Alistair Overeem, Curtis Blades didn't take that spot instead? When you think about it, like in hindsight, yeah. But um, if I'm being honest, I get the business decision. It's yeah. CM Punk. It's a big WWE guy. It's a guy with a following. That's the kind of thing you can't buy if you're UFC, really. Um, I get the business decision, but in hindsight, no, it shouldn't have ever been on pay-per-view. And that's just what it is. Um, Kayla, before we move on to news, um, because we're being so honest, I really got to shout something out. Because I was watching the fight, and I was so impressed. Andre Arlovsky versus Tai Tuivasa. Mm -hmm. And in the first round, Jimmy Smith is doing the commentary, and he said, Andre knows that you think he's done. He knows that you think he should wrap it up now. Andre went 15 minutes, stood his ground, and went at that young lion, and he really made that a fun fight. And I have to be honest, I was one of those people. I really did think we are see we were about to see that last roll down the hill for Andre on Saturday. He lost, but I was wrong. 
match him up well, let him fight out his contract if he wants to. He really impressed me. I want to say that before we start talking about the fights and move on to news. Yeah, I love that we're doing an honorable mention for him because I think last year when we saw him kind of come back, um, I forgot who he was fighting. It was another young guy. I saw some moments in there where I even I started to become a believer myself. I said, you know this guy? He has heart and says he wants to be in there competing and, and, and still fighting. And I see that he there's moments in there where I didn't want to completely count him out. And I think this performance really cemented that. So I agree. I think it's cool to see someone make that call and know that they can still continue to compete. And I hope he, you know, is able to finish his career with exciting performances like he gave us. And it was so nice to see someone test Ty as well. Yeah, hey, credit though, Ty held his own. Oh, this yeah, is a young did. kid who He's can excited. handle it. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a I, great I fight for both guys. I still wouldn't do a shoey with Ty though. I, I go the <laughs> Joe Rogan bat route. It's like, no, I, I like my kicks, bro. I'm sorry. You do like I'll, your I'll, kicks. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll grab one of my friend's shoes though. I'll do that for you, Ty. Um, look, uh, I mean, look, we could talk another half hour about the prelims. Uh, Carla, Claudia controversial. Sergio Pettis upsets Benavidez in the prelims. Rashad Evans, should he retire after getting knocked out in the first round? There's certainly a lot. So much went down, and I can't believe that the pay-per-view buys were so low still. But we can't talk about that if you want to read more news about it. Um, But I I was pretty shocked with that news, G. I mean, what a great fight night. I, I just told someone today, I said, you need to watch last weekend's fights. Yeah, I mean, it's really good. I mean, I, this fight, if you watch MMA, this card was the one to watch. It was one of those, you stay in, you push your plans back on Saturday night. But look, it just went that way. It was very, I don't know. I think that's a talk for another day. But I was just going to say, in terms of the prelim action, I think that we'll have more news to break as things are announced for them where we can talk about it. What is next for Claudia? Um, Does Curtis, where does he fit in the title picture? I think we'll be able to reflect on that when they get matched up next. So I think I'll leave it at that. But it was a fun night. Um, If the numbers are as bad as people are saying they are, I really don't know. I think the UFC clearly has to do an overhaul somewhere because that is just ridiculous that this card would falter that badly, I, I just really got to say. But, of course, you know, Kayla, if UFC needs to sell pay-per-views, <laughs> there is one man they know who could do that. What a segue. So I, and I don't know if uh, we're any closer, though. The big story, Conor McGregor went to court. He appeared. The whole thing took less than two minutes. He essentially, he and his lawyer said they are looking to negotiate a plea bargain. The judge said, okay, I look forward to hearing this on July 26th. What a build-up. We are no closer to a damn thing. Um, Look, let's say bluntly, uh, everyone's expecting McGregor to plead guilty in the hopes of getting a lesser charge. Or, if anything, to avoid just the biggest fine possible. Um, whether or not he will get... I, I want to say they they have it as a felony. But he's probably trying to get a misdemeanor. I mean, I don't know how you could do that with the 
broken glass and the damage done to fighters, but I'm sure he's going to look to try to negotiate what he can. But Kayla, I mean, just thoughts on it. Do you think we'll get any closer when he reportedly meets with Dana on Monday? I think that we'll get an idea of where his head's at as far as fighting and competing and how much longer of a career he wants to have in the UFC. But as far as specific dates of when he can actually fight, you know, that that's kind of out of his hands right now. He has to figure out, you know, what his punishment is going to be. But I do hope that Dana and him will come to terms to at least find out, like, you know, whether or not he wants to actually compete and go after a belt again. What do you I think? agree. Um, I sh- look, best case scenario in the next month, we find out that Conor Habib headlines a pay-per-view in November or New Year's Eve. I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like all this is just evidence why it won't. And I really feel like at this stage, we're probably looking at Connor. If anything does get resolved, it won't be until... I feel like with all this, we don't see him until early 2019, plain and simple. I think that is just... Everything seems to be another reason why we just won't. I It is still a possibility, but I'm leaning more towards 2019 if it's going to happen. We'll probably see Habib versus... Portier or Eddie Alvarez um, coming up in 2018, I think, is what will happen. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we'll get a fight announcement until until hopefully the be- beginning of next year. But we'll see. Either way, we'll get more answers at the end of July. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, we, we hope so. I kind of want this to be done so we can stop getting hyped up about it. You know, I woke up early on Thursday for that, Kayla. <laughs> oh gee I could, again your facial your facial expression I wish that uh, I'm going to have to get your mom's number and just be like hey she's about to turn on the TV just start snapping a bunch of pictures and photos or photos and videos so I can post about it later just to get your reaction because I can only imagine the face you made knowing that you woke up just to hear within 19 whatever however many minutes that uh, you have to wait till July for an answer. <laughs> uh, just you and her teamed up against me. That's, um, I had a bad dream like that once. Um, well, All right. I will text you. I will text you. The next fight that we know is happening for sure is Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo 2 for this August, which the means champ is I, back. Yes, you and I are going to get to enjoy this one. Um, yeah, flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson returns. He's fighting Henry Cejudo. They first met in 2016, where Demetrius knocked him out in the first round. Johnson has since defended his flyweight title three times. Henry Cejudo has fought twice, defeating Wilson Hayes and Sergio Pettis. Kayla, what are your thoughts on the rematch? I really like this one. I think that the last few times we've seen Henry Cejudo in there, he looks like an evolved fighter. And that's what we want to see in this division is someone who gets defeated by this dominant champ and then goes and does their homework. I think that he, like a Holly Holm, just seems like he's in a really good head space. I was very impressed with uh, Sergio Pettis' performance over the weekend and the fact that he has a win over him recently, as well as um, Wilson ha- 
how do you say his last name again? Hayes. Hayes, thank you. Um, he, yeah, I just think that he, he looks like he's definitely worked on fixing those holes in his game. So I think this is going to be a very competitive rematch. And it'll also be interesting, too, because we haven't seen the champ as actively as he usually is. You know, to me, uh, I agree with a lot of the things you're saying. I really genuinely do, Kayla. My thing is, though, it is Demetrius Johnson, Mm -hmm. the best pound-for-pound fighter competing right now, the most complete fighter in MMA. Even with his evolved skills, does Henry Cejudo pose a threat? I think that's going to be the big question. I will say this. I see it being a way more competitive fight. I am a much bigger believer in Henry's skills. I think that he brings a lot of power and physicality and the experience of having been in there with Demetrius. I think he poses a lot of problems. It's just going to be, though, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like when you tried to pick against Floyd Mayweather. There's a lot of reasons why these other guys should have been able to do it. But by the time it's over, you kind of find yourself asking, why did I ever doubt him? And we, GSP did it for a long time. Anderson Silva also it's the same thing lately with uh, Demetrius Johnson is that is it going to make a difference I don't know I I think I'm going to feel differently when we get closer to the fight about how competitive it's going to be but that's the big question and Henry knows that and he's going to have to overcome that if he wants to become the flyweight champion but this is what I also love about it too I know that DJ gets so much slack slack about you know, being just so dominant that people don't want to tune in. But you have someone that's a very smart champion that is very aware, even though he's, you know, run through his division. I don't think he's not watching the growth of the other opponents and, the and you know, curious and, and looking into the work that they're doing. And I think that if we're very aware that Henry Cejudo is coming in, Um, more dangerous. I'm sure that Demetrius Johnson is preparing for that too and not sleeping on him. And one thing that I've really enjoyed about the last couple performances with the champion is he's someone who still continues to grow in different aspects of his fight game. When everyone was calling him boring, what did he do in his last fight? He did some crazy like suplex. What was it like a suplex arm bar? Yeah. So I I always get frustrated, you know, when I hear people, you know, bash him a little bit or just hate on him as a champion because here's someone that's still delivering innovative, exciting things for you. So whether or not we get a competitive fight where Henry Cejudo's done his homework and has been able to show that he can take on the champion and, and give him a, you know, just much more competitive fight, we might get that. Or I'm also willing to bet on the fact that we'll get Demetrius Johnson, who's thinking, hey, because Henry's uh, stepped up his competition, let me step it up and either deliver, you know, another exciting finish or some other element to my game. So that's what has me excited about this fight. No, of course. I mean, look, there's just so many reasons why you can enjoy it. Just the skill level. Both of them are very complete fighters younger there is a bit of that history there so familiarity sometimes it has a very interesting effect on a fight it's gonna be good i think that this one um when i look at it i think that 
it could go either way. We could see five rounds of MMA greatness, or we could see one of them just shut the other down because they are that good. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, I don't even know if I want to pick if it's going to go to decision or finish for either man. That's how close it's going to be, I think. So I'm looking forward to it. And of course, it is an, a Los Angeles card. You and I will be there. It's going to be sick. For sure. Kayla, I was going to introduce it. Okay, I'm going to start this out, but I'm going to let you tell me what I have just taught you for this one. The UFC <laughs> has chosen to schedule an event in Moncton, Canada. So the UFC is going to go there on October 27th. No main event has been announced yet. But similar to Utica, New York, Moncton is another, I'm going to call it out-of-the-way market for a UFC event. So, of course, you know, like we said about Utica, the, the town that God forgot, et cetera, et cetera. I figured let's do it justice and let's do some research about Moncton. Kayla, I have some quick facts up here. Why don't you tell me a few things about Moncton, Canada? Hey, MMA listeners, if we have anybody from Moncton, Canada, shout out. What's up? Um, yeah, I mean, gee, one, I loved your facts. I think this is nice that we're getting to know, you know, these cities that people are are maybe unfamiliar with that the UFC is expanding to. Um, but yeah, so let's see. They're going to Can Moncton, Canada on October 27th. So let's see. Oh, referred to as the hub of Maritimes as all railroads in the three provinces of New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Scotia, Prince Edward, Scotia, 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 and Prince Edward Island all go through Moncton. The main attraction is the Magnetic Hill. This actually sounds cool to me. It's a Mm -hmm. hill that gives the optical illusion that you are going uphill. When in fact you're going downhill. Ooh. Mind beep buck. <laughs> um, also home to the Moncton Wildcats junior hockey team, who will be sharing their venue with the UFC. The Wildcats finished fifth in their league last season. There's 18 teams overall. I also looked at a little bit of research myself. And Ooh. one thing that I saw though is there is a promotion called Elite One MMA that seems to be very popular over there. So I can only assume maybe you, the UFC has heard that there's either some talent coming out of there or that this promotion is growing. Um, maybe that's why they're trying to tackle and grab those fans as they're growing themselves with this promotion amongst, I'm sure, a couple of them. But that was something I found interesting. So I wanted to look more into this Elite One MMA. And then I think that, yeah, the venue that they're going to be holding the event seems to be kind of the new marvel of the town. Um, I, I can't remember the number, but they definitely put quite a bit of money into it. So maybe that's another draw is they're going to go to this nice, um, expensive new venue. Ooh. Well, I think that sounds like a lot of fun. If you are listening in Moncton, please call in and let us know why do we need to make this the next destination on our MMA road trip? So, yeah, look, (laughs) it sounds like a very nice town as someone who comes from a place that is known for being very out of the way. I appreciate the fact that they're going to go out there, have fun. They're building it. I looked at the pictures. It looks very nice. It looks like a very peaceful and picturesque area. 
So I think it's going to be a lot of fun to go there. I think it's going to be a nice market when it's all said and done. Um, my favorite fact, uh, the, the Magnetic Hill also, more or less because Kayla just had this amazing explanation that makes me want to go wherever <laughs> she's suggesting. But no, it really does seem like a very cool one. So I'm going to check it out for sure. Kayla, speaking of stuff, did you know that I live right by the only musical road in the United States of America? Is that where they've paved the road to when you're driving on it plays a song? Exactly. Oh, okay. What song does it play? Um, so I, I don't even know if it has an exact name, but if you remember old Western movies, every time they have like the sheriff riding into town, like the cavalry on the <laughs> yeah. horse. It has that, you know, it's supposed to play that song for you. But yeah, so technically I'm about roughly like within 10 minutes of it, I want to say. But um, yes, so speaking of Magnetic Hills, I can tell you that they are very quaint. They are nice places to go to. Um, I wouldn't mind taking a walk up a Magnetic Hill. I think that would be a lot of fun. What about you? Yeah, no, I love that type of stuff. Where I grew up, there was a spot, and it, it had something to do with, yeah, the way that, I don't even know because I'm going to sound like an idiot. It was something with gravity or with the way that the shift in the plates or something were in the ground. But basically, you would go on, park on this hill and put your car in neutral, and I'm trying to think if they'd push you uphill or they'd push you downhill. I guess it would be uphill because if it was downhill, it wouldn't really make much sense of why it was this, like, you know, attraction. But there was a story behind it in high school that I had been told that um, a bus full of kids got hit and unfortunately passed away in the accident. So if you park there, the ghosts of the children are pushing you out of the way. So I believe they, it, your car all of a sudden just moves uphill, even though you're in neutral. And it really, I mean, who knows? It's depending on uh, whether or not you believe in spirits and ghosts or if you are just, you know, um, educated in science and know why that certain part of the the ground will uh, move your vehicle. But either way, I remember going to that just because I love that kind of stuff. I was going to say, I think we know where our next adventure is going to be. I'm going to have to find it. There's a name for it. I can't remember. We got to take it. It's called Gravity Hill. (laughs) There you go. Yeah, it's called Gravity Hill. That's the name of it. (laughs) There you go. Well, we're going to take and we're going to visit Gravity Hill for our next adventure. (laughs) I think that's clearly what's next for us. Um, getting back to what you tuned in for some mixed martial arts Kayla this one you know what so much fun and I know it feels repetitive but really another fight of the year candidate Justin Gaethje versus Al Iaquinta UFC Lincoln in Nebraska August 25th Gaethje coming off back to back losses to Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier both of them people are saying could be fight of the year Ayakinta recently obviously fought Habib Nurmagomedov in May. He took the fight on 24 hours notice. He was previously on a five-fight win streak. Um, Kayla, just thoughts on this one. Is it the fight of the year that we're all expecting? 
Well, I thought it was so funny that it was um, announced during this time of UFC 225, you know, right after, or I guess right around the same time that we got the fight with Yoel and Robert that a lot of other people are calling fight of the year. So, yeah, this is definitely one of those fights that could steal that shine. I mean, here's the thing. Justin Gaethje, we already know, is a star. Everyone, everyone likes him. Everyone enjoys watching him fight. Even though he's on a two-fight losing streak, I don't even I don't think people even care. They just want to see him compete in there. They want to see him be active and continue to give us these amazing performances. Because those two two last fights were obviously very competitive. He didn't just get smoked. Um, and then you know, uh, Ally Kinta also built up a fan base again, or I guess just uh, you know re-sparked that the way that he saved that event and was able to step up. And pull off a great performance like he did against the champ. So um, I love this fight. I mean, yeah, we know that there's going to be fireworks. We know that both guys are going to go for it. I think that we're going to see – I we're either going to see maybe a little bit more of a safer Justin Gaethje, which to me still says fireworks. I just think that in safer – he may not stand, do as much stand-up and stand-up in that pocket to just get hit as much, but I think that we'll just see maybe some more of those layered skills that he has. And I think that Al Aiquinta is going to pull that out of him because we know that he's a well-rounded fighter and tough as hell, too, to be able to fight Habib Nurmagomedov like he did. So, yeah, super excited for this fight. Um, that's coming up in August, right? Yep, the 25th. Yeah, August 25th. I mean, first heard it announced, G. I'm thinking that Justin Gaethje in the UFC might be the biggest gift to mixed martial arts. They just (laughs) have so many options, and he just steps into the fire. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, The thing about it to me is that Justin did, and his team did say, we're going to mix up the game plan going into the next one. And you get it. Like, look, yeah, he's fun and he's new to us, but he's been in the fight game a minute now, and I think that he really wants a little more longevity. I think he said he only plans to fight maybe five or four more times. I wouldn't be surprised if he incorporates more takedowns, which I think is smart because it just makes your opponent more hesitant, and when you have that, you obviously have bigger opportunities to really unload against the fence with those combinations the way you're known for doing. So I think that that would help him. That being said, Al is a very tough, explosive guy. He's got a lot of tools that make a lot of guys like Colby Covington dangerous. He's got solid power in his hands, decent boxing. He can take you down and really keep you there. That's why he's so dangerous. And against a guy like Justin Gaethje, He's going to have to execute a good game plan because if he gets lured into that firefight, this is one that, unlike Poirier and Alvarez, I think Justin could get him out of there. So I think he's got to come in, not get drawn into the fight. He's got to really stick to his game plan. Otherwise, you're in Justin Gaethje's world. And Gaethje doesn't want to lose three in a row. He's going Exactly. To, yeah, he's going to come out there with some extra fire, I think, to turn it around so I think it's got every reason to be another great fight this year for sure I'm excited yeah hey we are gonna have a very awesome August I don't know if you've noticed I mean gee I need it this last the end of this month has been so stressful I need some exciting MMA to turn my frown upside down 
Oh my gosh. Well, I have some very positive news for you that could do just that. Final news story, Ronda Rousey to be inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. So during UFC 225, and ironically before the Holly Holm fight, they announced that Ronda would be inducted and she is the first female to ever be in the UFC Hall of Fame. I think that is very well-deserved. And the irony, Kayla, is that this Sunday, Ronda's going to be on pay-per-view. She's facing this woman called Nia Jax for the WWE Women's Raw Championship. So, look, we know Ronda's moved on to pro wrestling. But do you think that her being put in the Hall of Fame... Do you think this is a sign that we might finally see Ronda again around the MMA world? I think so. I mean, I think that when you are now a Hall of Famer, whether or not you are actually obligated under contract to make appearances and show your face around the UFC, I think that it's such an honor that why would you not want to? So I think that she's going to stay busy for a little bit with WWE, but this is something that's kind of cementing her not like it already she already hasn't been with this promotion and with this sport but this is really cementing her and i don't think that she is anything but grateful for you know again being a tr- um recognized as a trailblazer so yeah i think that we might see her around more and i think the response to it too um you know from fans and and people all around even holly Holm gave a response in the post fight conference i think that I don't know. I can't imagine that that didn't kind of warm Ronda Rousey's heart a little bit to if she was, you know, a little turned off by the sport or what people have been saying. I feel like how can this not kind of warm your heart and and make you feel like you miss your MMA fans and family? I agree. I mean, um, I say it all the time. The thing about the Ronda story is that she clearly, I think, feels a certain way about MMA, the media, the business. And I get that because um, being in it, we know the kind of politics and everything that goes into this. But she did so much. Um, in my office, I have, like, the poster. I was there for the her UFC debut against Liz Carmouche. That was an incredible event. I was there to see her um, tap out Kat Zingano in 14 seconds. I saw that live, and it blew my mind. She did so much for the sport. This honors deserved. And I would say, like, I understand that she doesn't want to be around it as much for her own reasons. But this is a party. And the fact is, we all want Rhonda to come. We think it would be a lot more fun if she's here. You know what I mean? So I hope that with this, maybe with the fans really just getting a chance to, like, really shower her with some love again that maybe she feels a little warmer about, you know, maybe visiting a few more events, maybe just acknowledging the fight world a little more. I think that would be really great. Miss Fangirl MMA, are you still on the line? Yes, I thought I lost you. No, it's all good. Um, But yeah, so look, um, busy week. There was a lot to unpack with UFC 225. But I think it's only fitting we close out today's show with a very special announcement that we've been holding on to. Thank you for listening. 
So both Kayla and myself will be backstage reporting for Sparstar MMA in Commerce, California. They are having their 40th event. It is going to be held at the Commerce Casino. Fights start, I want to say, at 7. Doors open at 6. Um, Kayla, I am looking forward to it. I've actually spent my morning talking to some of the fighters about just the event and everything going in. It's going to be fun. I think that we're going to have a lot of good energy, some good fights. Just what are your thoughts going into tomorrow? Yeah, I'm super excited, too. I think that they, you know, Michael and the the team of Sparstar always put on a great event. Um, They always match good fights as well. I think that um, there's a few... I guess just what I like about Sparstar is I really think we're seeing the top amateur talent fight. And, and it makes sense, right? A lot of them are fighting for California state titles. So we're really seeing these top-ranked amateur fighters duke it out. Um, and, and some of them make their title defenses. So that's what I've really enjoyed, G, is the last couple of times we've worked some of these amateur promotions, we're, we're catching moments with people right before they're about to make their pro career. So, uh, yeah, definitely tune in. Our stuff will be all over their social media. We'll be covering it on our own platforms as well as the Sparstar MMA platform. It's going to be a fun night. No, I am excited for it. Um, it is always fun when we get to do our double act. Um, uh, oh, I, so I was at King of the Cage on Sunday. I, didn't, I was going to text you and I forgot, but... I found one of our friends, and the first thing they asked me is, is Kayla with you? And I was immediately <laughs> like, no, she couldn't make it after all. And so I always enjoy working events with you. I think it makes for good energy. I know that we kind of cover each other and um, really just look. We know how to deliver. You're going to get the best post-fight interviews at Sparstar, and you're going to get twice as many because both Kayla and I are going to be there doing work. So I am very excited for it. I really got to say. I'm excited to see all of G's facial expressions when he, we should start making little bets just so I can see that look on your face when I steal all your money, all your lunch money. (laughs) Why why would you do that to me? That is so mean. And then you're going to be talking, you're going to be talking to fighters. It's like, you need to go for the arm bar. It's like, why? It's like, because he owes me $20 if you finish by arm bar. So get oh, the arm no. bar. That's not how the sport works. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> fighters have told me some weird stuff about what they're going to do. And it's like, really? <laughs> and then when I see it happen, it's like, manifest to that guy on press row. I should have talked to that guy on press row. Like, yeah, you think it's going to go to decision? You want to put money on that? But no, it's going to be a ton of fun. Um, I am looking forward to it. Um, Kayla, we're going to be all over social media tomorrow. Where can fans find you? Yes, fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they find you? Fans, you can find me all the time at double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. You'll see Kayla there. You'll see all the backstage stuff. Tune in next week. We'll be previewing UFC Singapore, Donald Cowboy Cerrone against Leon Edwards. Until then, have a great rest of your week.